Right, welcome to another party on the back porch. We are two old guys on the back porch. I am Steve Scotch, and of course we have the lovely and talented cat. That C A T, the hostess with the mostest. Cat, get us started. Hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Audible, and all your premier podcast platforms. Uh, we're going to do our shout-out today. We're kind of doing an international shout-out today. Our first one is Madrid, Spain, capital of Spain, the most populous city in Spain. And San Fernando, Trinidad, and Tobago is our other listener. San Fernando is the administrative and trading point for south half of Trinidad. And try and do it in Spanish. Gracias por la atención. And thanks for listening, guys. Of course, alcohol is our favorite drug. And today I'm doing the uh, Dos Equis Amber with the Lime. It's 112 out here on the back porch today. The brutal summertime is here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Emphasis on common. Kat, what you working on? I'm trying me a brand new cucumber mojito. It's a refreshing drink. It's got a fresh, vibrant taste and a lovely finish with a mint. All right, today we're going to get serious. This is a serious one. We're going to talk about caregivers. The ones out there, the ones who look after the, their aging parents or people who have a child with a severe disability, this one's for you. You know, the people that get up every day, day after day, and take care of someone they love. And you think about it, there is no day off for these people. Okay? A lot of people are in this circumstance where their life is not their own. You know, they're not going to the bar tonight. They're not going to see Tool in concert tomorrow. I mean, these people have loved ones that are in situations that they cannot control. You know, so they, these people sacrifice their time, their energy, making sure their parent with dementia or Alzheimer's or, or their teenage son with epilepsy or Down syndrome, whatever it is, whatever it is, and, and they're just trying to make it through another day. And uh, two old guys on the back porch, we raise our glass to you. You are the ones who should be given the awards, should be on the talk shows. You should be recognized for what you do on a daily basis. And, you know, the reason we bring this topic up, it's at some point, it's probably going to happen to all of us. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have one or even two parents that make it into their 70s, 80s, hell, even the 90s. 90. You know, at some point, you're going to have to make some big decisions. You know, when your mother starts putting the dishes in the washing machine or her clothes in the dishwasher, and I'm not saying this to be a smart ass. I'm saying this, I saw my grandma do it, okay? There's signs right there where something 
decisions are going to have to be made. And look, we all know the easy solution is the old folks jail, the, the nursing home. Unless you have plenty of money and you can hire someone to sit there and watch your aging parent or grandparent, you know, while you're at work or whatever, you know, then you're, you're stuck with the nursing home. It's a very sad reality. Yes, it is. I'm going through that reality right now. We tried to keep my mom at a <clears throat> home as long as we could and with you know, special help. And we did. We lasted almost three years, and then it just was not capable for us. She was getting more infirm and not very mobile anymore. And unfortunately, <coughs> she has been in the home for a couple of years now. Right. It's not you know it's not easy, but she, I know she's getting the best care. Yes, yes. You know what? What's so sad about this? Your aging relative, they can't help what's happening to them. You know, dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever they want to call it, it it's a horrible. It's it's horrible. It's you know? horrible. I'm I. There weeks. You know, there's times, especially we had a large time during the pandemic where I could not see my mother. There was like 15 months, where you know, That's with terrible. her state of dementia, and then I had to like, hey, just walk in and you know, realize she still does kind of remember me a little bit, but you know. She just really wasn't the same person she was 15 minutes earlier. So Right. 15 months ago is a long time. And, you know, they said you could pull in the parking lot and wave through the window and stuff. Yeah, but that, with that's... her dementia, that would just <clears throat> confuse her more. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you, your mom has been a trooper and done great because I had a grandma with dementia. And she couldn't, she didn't know, she knew my mom, she knew me half the time because we would go see her. But your mom has done great as far as remembering. Oh, yeah. Remembering yeah. her. I mean, the only thing now is her communication skills are kind of going down. Yeah. She's getting frustrated with, you know, she wants to express something and she can't. Well, that's what I'm saying. This, these diseases are so horrible. I mean, your mom, your grandma, whoever, they've lived a good life. They did everything right. And now in their last years of their life, it's been taken from them. They're, 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 their mind, body, soul. And I think that's why a lot of them get angry. You know, they, 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 they have, frustration. A, they have a personality. My grandma was the sweetest lady, just like your mom, sweetest right. lady on the planet. And then they get a little angry. And I think it's, I'm not in their mind. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I just think, like you said, it's frustration. Right. It's like they know this is not right and it's screwed up and they can't they can't do anything about it, it, it it's brutal the, it's sad sometimes and her her world has diminished so much especially since we had that long time in between when i could not see her mm -hmm. but i mean you know you just the thing is with people with dementia you really want them what they used to be, but they're never going to be there. Right. So you just need to love and accept them where they're, where they're coming right, at. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you, if I make it to old age, and the way I'm going, it's very doubtful. But if the, if the kids... Hell on wheels, baby. If the, I need another drink. If the kids <laughs> have no choice down the road, 
but to put me in an old folks home. Again, I would never condone suicide, never. But if I'm in that bad a shape, I could go Hemingway. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying, don't say that. I'm not saying, but I'm, anyway, I don't want to make light of this, this subject because this is serious. You know, and again, at least the nursing homes, like Kat said a little while ago, they are better now. Yeah, than they I were mean, back in like maybe the 80s or the 90s when my grandmas were going in there. I went to v visit my grandmas, and I mean, these places smell like urine. People were just sitting in the corner. I mean, it was a debacle. Right. And they have cleaned that shit up. Um, of course, you were going to pay through the nose. Oh, That's yes. another thing we want to let you know. You know, down the road, this thing can cost, I don't know, Kat, you tell me, between three and maybe six grand a month for these right, places? Right. Now, that's for the top care, you know. Um, now, I do remember when my grandparents got bad off, my parents had to sell. Again, th this whole process, you listen to us, the whole process is horrible now. These people have had a house, raised kids, done everything right, and now they're getting put in this little box with a bed and a chest of drawers. And all their stuff has to be sold because you have to get rid of everything of value before, um, well, what is it, Medicare yeah. or Medicaid picks anything up. Right. And my parents, I saw my parents go through it, and it is freaking brutal. So, again, th this is just a little heads up for everybody out there. It, it's, it, it's just a little heads up. If you're in your 40s or your 50s, and, and your parents are starting to get up there in age, this is a situation you need to be prepared for. And it can be devastating financially and definitely emotionally. Right, Cap? Yes. And I know it's hard to go see them at the home, but you need to go see them. True. Because, they're, I mean, I know, I know, oh, my God, how awful, how awful. But you need to go see them, if nothing else, just to be in the same room with them. There's Look, days, you know, all I'm doing is 30 minutes of watching her watch Hallmark. Right. And that's that's enough for me. Right. Because I got to spend time with my mom before she's no longer here. Right. And, and that that's the main... Look, main point today, we're not going to preach. We're not going to preach. But look, if you have parents or grandparents... That are they're in getting in this situation. You remember what they did for you, okay? The sacrifices they made for you, and now it's your turn to, to help them out in these last years. You need to do it. I don't care if it's go there and fluff their pillow, go get them a fresh pitcher of water. I don't care. And you needed to diminish what expectations are for that visit. You just need right. to accept what's going to happen. Right. For her 90th birthday, I made this cake and did this and that and the other. And she just really wasn't into that. She was just into being with me that day. And right. that's, that's right. where and you will you, never forget that. You will, you know, you just need to meet them where they're at. Right. Good point. All right. We're going to uh, end this thing the way we start crying here. The way we started it. Two old guys on the back porch want to give big props to all you people out there, you caregivers who are out there taking care of your relatives on a daily basis. This one's for you for being unselfish and giving up your time and your love to someone who needs it. All right, we're going to roll right into one tough son of a bitch. Oh, I like this guy. Harry Houdini, which is not his real name. 
back in that day, nobody you know, had a real name. You don't name. come along with that, that name every day. All right, Houdini was like, he was a genius, and he was batshit crazy. This guy, this guy was unreal. All right, he was born in 1874 from, of course, Budapest, right? Where else would Budapest, he be from? Budapest, everybody should Budapest is actually a very beautiful city. Wow. All right. He started in vaudeville, went on to become the greatest escape artist of all time. Handcuffs, ropes, straight jackets. Nothing could hold this guy. And that was before S&M. Wow. <laughs> nice point. Houdini, he would go like to the local police stations, wherever he was performing, and he would challenge their handcuffs. And then quickly just click, click, dispose of them and throw them out right. of the way. I mean, the dude... He was he was kind of restless. He, he tried movies. I mean, this Joker was crazy. He tried to fly a plane. Um, <laughs> he did, and he claimed he was the first one to fly a plane somewhere in Australia. I don't know where it was. Now, of course, he had the the Chinese order torture cell. Okay, handcuffed and put in an oversized milk can, turned upside down. I mean, he he'd be put in a straitjacket. And hung by a crane over a body of water. I mean, this dude had no limits. This cat was wide open. And and do not you did not cross him either. If you tried to copy one of his acts, he came after your ass. Um, you know, he called you a hoax, whatever. Um, he, he sold out venues all over the world. I mean, this cat made bucks. He crossed the pond, I don't know how many times. Um now, one thing that really got at him, I don't know, why he went there, I don't know, is people started getting to this stuff called spiritualism. Right. And I guess talking, he, talking to the dead. Right. And so he tried it because he wanted, he loved his parents so right. much. He when wanted they, contact. Right. And, and But he figured out that, you know, there was a, a bump. Or so, now, these people had like a, a rope and a hammer tied to their head, heel. Right. And, and they were making all these sounds and shit. And he figured out it was a big hoax and it was all bullshit. And uh, he, he tried to expose that. He spent a lot of time and energy going after these cats. Um, anyway, Harry Houdini. Check him out. If you don't know who he is, read up on him. Because this dude was one tough son of a Okay. Well, we got what, this what week watching? and what you watching. We watched Citizen Ash about the great tennis player and humanitarian activist known as Arthur, Arthur Ash. Yeah. Only guy really left on Monument Avenue now. <laughs> Amazingly I had, so. an, I had an Arthur Ash. It was a head. H E A D was the company. It might have been AMF. It was a head tennis racket, Arthur Ashe. It was very strange kind of racket. It was slim and kind of long, but I had one. Anyway, I thought it was a great documentary. He talked about what it was like growing up in Richmond and how he got into tennis and how, you know, his life changed. He got a scholarship to UCLA and then continued on his tennis career. And you've got to realize he was really a great guy until, you know, he... He really didn't get into racial relations till later on, I think. I think he, his purpose, he wanted to be the Jackie Robinson Well, of there tennis. wasn't a lot of Afro-American. That's right. 
It was back then. The ball, the balls are white. The people were white. The clothes yeah. are white. Everybody yeah. was, it was white. Sort of an elitist sport, right? You know. Anyway, I thought it was a really good documentary because it talked a lot about. There were a lot of uh, audio recordings that he made along his life. His wife that he married, she was a photographer. He's a very smart man. Very, very smart. smart. Very smart guy. You know, he was. You know, he he won Wimbledon. He won uh, U.S. Open. He beat Jimmy Connors. Yeah. That was, Jimmy Connors was quite a jerk. He coached, you know. McEnroe. McEnroe and Davis Cup. My God, how he had to put up with that. some tool bags. But anyway, yeah. Such a different, different, anyway. And he talked about how he got AIDS. He had heart problems and his second operation, he got AIDS. Transfusion. Transfusion of blood. I mean, what was the chances of that? I know. I mean, how horrible. Somebody fucked and up. And even when he had heart problems and AIDS, he was like reaching out trying to get information, people right. about AIDS. Right. Also, black people about being careful about your heart and blood pressure and hypertension and other heart ailments. Uh, again, he, another person who had money had a little fame, had a little wealth, but he, he looked out for other people. Right. He and was... That, that's something you don't see a whole lot of today. But uh, Arthur Ashe, a great man, like Kat said, not far from where we're sitting, they've named a strip of road after him, and there's a statue of him downtown, and there's a building down there. Right, uh, Arthur Ashe. That's where yes. we used to go. I used to go pick up my stuff for... Um, your, your case. Yeah, my ten, the ten, big 10K. Arthur Ashe, it's really great. What was that on, CNN? CNN. Yeah, check that out. Citizen. Citizen Ash. All right. That's what we're watching. But what we're drinking. We'll be drinking, boy. Today is the Cape Cotter. The Cape Cotter, of course, his drink is named for the East Coast town of Cape Cod. But do you know the name it had before? Which is known. What? Okay. Basically, it was a vodka and cranberry drink by, again, Ocean Spray in the 1940s. Mm. They try. <laughs> Ocean Spray is like the biggest mixer, I think, of everything now. Anyway, the 1940s encouraged people to purchase their products. They made a drink they called the Red Devil. And rumors got around that started, it was started in the bars there in Cape Cod. That's oh, how it okay. became the Cape right. Codder. Anyway, Cape Cod, like I said, known Another for Another summertime drink. No. Known for its cranberries. Um, look. Again, this drink, it, it couldn't be any easier. Okay, it's vodka, cranberry juice, and a highball glass filled with ice. Stir it with your finger. P pretend you're on a yacht hanging out with the Kennedys. I'm getting my, okay. get my <laughs> madras shorts and my little uh, sweater around my neck and my polo shirt, and I'm drinking me a Cape Cod. Yeah. All right, today, Band of the Week is one of me and Kitty Cat's favorites, the yeah. Mavericks. Woo! The Mavericks are great. Um, formed they're fun. In, they're great. Uh, formed in 1989 in Miami, Florida. Um, they did the Nashville thing for a while, and they had success with it. They, uh, it was very good, clean country, you know, for that era. That's where I discovered them. Uh, Mr. Malo, the singer, this, Raul. this dude can sing his ass off, okay? If you're in that band and you get to hear this guy sing, just up there killing it every night, you just sit back and play your instrument and go, damn, 
I get to hang out with Raul Malo every night. I mean, me and Kat, me and the wifey, we went downtown and saw the Mavericks. I'm gonna say about three years ago, maybe. That's about right. And she didn't know one song before. See, I'm, I'm she, always there for a good time. Though. She did. She, <laughs> she didn't know the Mavericks. I'm just there for the ride. I'm getting from, out of my house. She didn't know the Mavericks from Adam Ant. She knew nothing, and she danced the whole freaking night. I mean, that's how good these guys are. I mean. I love the Mavericks. They're just fun. It's a good time. And anyway, if they come anywhere near you, go check out the Mavericks. They are an awesome freaking band. All right, we want to thank everybody for listening, and we will see you all down the road. See ya. Thank you.